Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Campionato di calcio italiano. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast, the only Italian football podcast coming to you from Italy, bringing you into the Serie A stadiums every week. I am your host, Connor Clancy, and joining me is the ever-reliable, the always brilliant Vito Doria. Vito, good to have you here again. Thank you, Dom. Uh, Connor, uh, I am so sorry. I just referred to you as the boss man. Uh, it's been a long morning and I think there was one particular result that shook me up. So I'm really hoping that we can progress forward from here. And plus another thing too is I'm looking at myself in the little screen there for those watching on YouTube. I've just got a new haircut. So yeah, I think um, <laughs> I'm having a little bit of a self-admiration moment there. But we'll see how things go. Uh, Vito, you look fantastic. Your hair looks Thank great. Thank you. Um, Thank you. If we're going to talk about personal appearance, my beard is longer than usual, and I've been trying to decide if I should shave it off or let it grow a bit more. So, if you've any thoughts on my beard or Vito's hair, <laughs> leave a comment. All right, Vito, we can move on from the Dove comments. He'll be joining us later, and he will be delighted, if not a little bit insulted, that you refer to me as him. Uh, right. I, I was at two games this weekend, and I know people are here after Milan Juve. We. We're going to talk about it, just not yet, because we're going to bring you into the San Siro in about 15 minutes. So bear with us. It's worth it, we promise. We're going to start with the game I was at, and you might have already noticed that my voice is not quite what it usually is. That is because Atalanta beat... No, no. Atalanta destroyed Inter 4-1, and Vito, I'm not dreaming, or I'm not exaggerating when I say that not only could it have been more, it's should have been more. That was my sentiment during the game and after the game. I tweeted it out a few times that Atalanta should have scored a lot more than they did. And I'm not doing that just to keep you happy. For those who watched the game, it really was one of those games in which Ladea played into off the park. If it wasn't for Samir Handanovic, it could have looked even more humiliating for the Nerazzurri. They didn't look like they were either motivated or that they really had that desire to beat Atalanta. But Atalanta brought the A game, and it's probably been one of the best displays that they have shown in the Giampiero Gasparini era. Yeah, which says under Gasparini there have been a lot of amazing performances. But to win 4-1 against anyone is special. To do it against Inter, who... 
I was speaking to a, a friend out here in Parma about this, and he said it's not even as if Inter have been on a bad run of results. Inter have been on form recently. They drew at Barcelona in midweek, and they go to Bergamo. Atalanta play them off the park for the first half, and somehow Inter go in just one goal behind at the break, and then they get a penalty to start the second half before I think any of their players except Politano had even touched the ball because I'm pretty sure Atalanta took kickoff, passed it around, went back to Barisha, he sliced it, Politano chested it down and hit it off Mancini's hand, and Icardi leveled, and then Inter's fans were up, Inter's players were up, Atalanta looked a little bit deflated, and it looked like Inter were going to do their usual thing, come back when they were not expected to win and win. But then when Atalanta went 2-1 ahead, that was just it. There was absolutely no doubt about who was going to win that game. Atalanta bossed it. They played them off the park. And I'll give you YouTube viewers a peek behind the curtain. Gianluca Mancini is Forza Italian Football's Player of the Week from Serie A this week. And my God, Vito, he, he was... He was phenomenal. He, he conceded the penalty. He was unlucky to do so. I thought his, his hand was quite close to his body. It was belted off him, but it's probably a penalty. I'll hold my hands up and say that. But he was just amazing. Icardi barely had a sniff. Even when Inter did come forward, Icardi was nowhere in the game. Mancini would just had him. And then to cap it off with the, the goal, and not only as he scored today, but he scored three games in a row. And I said a couple of weeks ago that he is the guy who not quite yet, but is going to replace Mattia Caldara. And one of the things that Caldara had was that he scored loads of goals. And Vito Mancini is showing he can do the very same. Absolutely. I find it quite surprising that it's actually happened. But, you know, I think it's great for a side like Atalanta to be able to replace someone like Caldara, who has been a valuable asset for them in the last two seasons. And Mancini provides that threat from... Uh, set pieces, he's good in the air, and he's starting to grow defensively. He's starting to really improve, and even in his uh, early years, he looks like he can really step up to the plate and, you know, perform well against the big teams. Um, Badger has just said in the comments, we'll get our revenge by buying Mancini. Do it. Give us make someone else. Um, That's how it works. Inter took Bastoni, he's now at Palma on loan. And Atalanta have just churned out another one. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Aaron Holland has come into the comments to say, Inter are going to feel that loss for one week, which is just great. Aaron, welcome to the comments. It's always good to see you properly in good form today as well. That's a real um, but <laughs> It's good, all right, isn't it? It takes mm. me back to when United beat Arsenal 8-2, and all of those jokes were flying around. Someone else that I want to single out for a special praise here is Robin Gozens, because he, not only was he excellent today, but he has been, he's been amazing basically since Leonardo Spinazzola left. And when Spinazzola left, I was worried that he, he was somewhat irreplaceable, given the importance that him and Conti had on his side. But Gozen was so good. And this this game, from the very first minute, he, he was dominant on his side. It, it did help that he was going up against Danilo D'Ambrosio. But even when Versalico came on, Gozen's just dominated the whole left side of the pitch. Um, and then, to be fair, Hans Hattabar first, and then Timo Castagna later did the same on the right. But, Vito, does this, does this expose... Inter's great problem, which is which is their fullbacks. They they started with D'Ambrosio today, and it, it changed around because Rosalco came on, Miranda went off, D'Ambrosio moved into the middle. But is that their biggest weakness? It has been for several years, to be honest. You could even go as far back as to when they won the triplet in twenty ten that they haven't had good fullbacks. So that's uh, that's very concerning. Um, from Atalanta's point of view, though, I think it's good that they finally found replacements or informed replacements for Andrea Conti and Leonardo Spinazzola. So to have Hatabo and Gorsens play like did, I think that was fantastic. 
And although Papu Gomez probably scored the goal of the game, there was one volley in the first half that I think I'm pretty sure was Gozens that took the shot on the left foot, was well executed in terms of technique, but he just couldn't get on target. If that went in, oh, I think he would be getting plaudits around the world because it was a sensational strike. Yeah, he did have that. Maybe it's a different volley. He got a volley that he, he somehow managed to get on target, but it was just unfortunate that Andanovic was in the right place to catch it. But uh, he was he was so, so good. You mentioned Papu Gomez. Um, his goal did cap it off. But he was... This was one of the best I've, best games I've seen him play at the every week. And I have done in the four years, four or five years he's been there. But he was just incredible. It, Inter couldn't deal with him. And Ilicic, to be fair, was amazing as well. But there was something quite nice about the last goal and that the Atalanta fans were enjoying it, right? It's, it's 3-1 to Atalanta in the 94th minute. So every pass is getting the ole, ole, ole. And the next thing, Ilicic and I think it was Darun exchanged the 1-2 with the outside of their foot. And then people kind of got a little bit excited because Darun had some space all of a sudden and he picked out Gomez on the left wing. And Gomez just ran infield. And this realization in the whole stadium before he took the shot that, oh, we know what's going to happen here. He's Everton last year and he did that exact thing. He just, oh, it was such a good goal. Just curling it into the far top corner. So seamless and he really deserved it. And he's recently had his third child and he's not been getting much sleep. And the players... <laughs> Every player, even the, the players that were on the bench, ran on to the pitch in celebration with them. The coaching staff were on the pitch and everything. It was, it was amazing. And it was an amazing day. And the Inter fans went mental. And it was, it was really enjoyable. Um, where else can we go from this? Actually, before we move on from Atalanta, let me have my moment. I thought the defense were incredible because Berat Jimciti scored and he's nowhere near a first-team regular. Gianluca Mancini started and scored, of course. And Rafa Toloi had to go off injured, so Hans Hattabor had to fill in at, at centre-back. So Atalanta, for the majority of this game, were playing without their first choice three central defenders. Andrea Maziello, Jose Luis Palomino, and Rafa Toloi. And the fact that they just should interact like that was impressive. And it, it, it says just how good Deron and Freuler in front of them are. But, Vito, um, Keita Balde, he came on for Inter... And he didn't do a thing. Uh, I was with my dad at these games. He came over for the for the weekend, and he was kind of shocked because he had heard of Keita Balde. He knows that there's this kind of hype around him, but he was awful. And he's not done a thing since he's been at Inter. How many more chances does he get before Inter kind of have to think that okay, maybe he wasn't worth bringing back to Italy? Although it's early days, I think he might be running out of chances. In a team like Inter, uh, there is that demand for instant results. So I don't think there's going to be much patience from Inter for him to sort of gradually perform. Uh, Sooner or later, he's got to step up and show what he's worth because he does have the speed and he's a decent finisher. He's not overly prolific, but, you know, he can score some decent goals. So... Whether it's a confidence thing or it's a motivational thing, he's got to turn that form around quickly so he can also put pressure on Inter's other wingers because they're not that consistent themselves. Um, definitely. And I, I do think it is only fair. I, I questioned, <coughs> excuse me, I questioned Samar Handanovic last week and even before kickoff, but he was he was phenomenal today and he is the reason that Inter didn't lose this by six or seven or eight goals today, right? Should, should we give Handanovic a bit of praise? Well, uh, like I was saying earlier, he was the reason why uh, Atalanta did not smash Inter by an abundance of goals, you know? I seriously thought that Atalanta should have had nine or ten. That's how good Atalanta was, but also how bad Inter were. And Andanovic, you know, he has these games where he'll just stop anything. And he's been a fantastic goalkeeper in Serie A for about a decade or so. And, uh, yeah, just 
it has shown some bad signs, but um, it's games like this that show that the quality is still there, even if the form is not what it would have been, like, say, a season or two ago. Absolutely. All right. So we will now move on quickly to Roma 4 Sampdoria 1. Uh, Vito, it was one of your old boys that came back to haunt you here. I know there were four goals, but Patrick Schick was one of the goal scorers. What did you make? It's good to see him score. We were big fans of him at Sam. We're still big fans of the player that he can be. Di Francesco, I think, came out afterwards and said that this is just further proof that Schick is a, a striker. But I've never quite seen him as a traditional striker. Do you think that Roma have to play with either him or Dzeko? Or is there a way that the two of them can get into this same team, bearing in mind Di Francesco's preference for a 4-3-3? If it was up to me, I think in in the near future, I reckon Schick should play in the Serie A and they should save Dzeko for the Champions League. Dzeko's been in sensational form when Roma are playing in Europe, but his Serie A form has been underwhelming for my liking. So I would like to see Schick get more time and you know get that extra experience. It, it was a great super sub at some, but... Uh, I think now at Roma, it's a chance for him to really establish himself because he's got a he's a complete player. He's got great feet, and uh, he shouldn't be wasted on the bench. Uh, Dov Skivoni is joining us. Dov, just sit quietly for a minute more, and, and we will come to you, uh, Vito. I, I did just want to talk to you quickly about Sampdoria. Another defeat. They had barely conceded all season. And now in the space of a week, in three games, they've conceded 11 times. Marco Giampaolo, you and I spoke briefly about some comments he made in the build-up to this game about Yankto, where he said, I clash with him and he's not going to play tomorrow. It's not something that you usually see a coach saying. Is it right to say something like this? And is Giampaolo in complete control there? Perhaps this is a sign that he might be losing a bit of control. Uh, we're still in the early stages of the campaign, but that those sort of things, you should be keeping it in the locker room. That's not something that should be aired in public for the media to write about or twist around. So I think that's um, poor man management on John Powell's part. If he wanted to motivate Yankto more or tell him that you've got to play this way in our system, then that's one thing. But, though, yeah, it's not particularly ideal to go down that path. And the way the younger generation are these days, that's not going to spur them more on. That will probably put young to into even more of a shell. So I think it was a bad way to go about it. And if we're going to return to form, he's got to find ways to grow Yankto's confidence, not kick him while he's down. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, for sure, we do have a comment 
coming in about the the Jacko Sheik debate, and he says Sheik brings out the best in El Sharawi. Whereas I'm not sure if you should build a team around trying to get the best out of Stefan El Sharawi because even his best is not. Sorry, Stefan. But we, for you audio listeners, sorry YouTube viewers, but we will hear now from Alistair McKenzie, who was at the Stadio Olympico to take in this game for us. Hashtag FIF at the games. I am now joined on the line by our very own Alistair McKenzie, our only Rome-based reporter. So Alistair, you have seen a fair bit of Roma this season. I've seen them a couple of times and I've not been convinced. What did they do so differently to beat Sampdoria 4-1? Hi, Connor. Um, Well, what did I see differently from Roma? Um, I suppose the first thing is that they actually won. Um, <laughs> sounds a bit obvious, but they haven't won in Serie A for the last three games, so that's something they definitely did differently from previously. And um, yeah, but not only did they win, they actually won very comfortably, and that's something actually that Rome have struggled to do so far this season, um, particularly uh, in their home games. Apart from Frosinone, this is, I suppose, the first time that we've actually seen them. Uh, blow a team away um, in Serie A at least obviously in the Champions League they've had a, a couple of very good wins against uh, Suska and Victoria Pilsen and they were really clinical at that so I mean they only had five shots on target I saw today and obviously scored four goals so they managed to take the chances when they came to them um, they had a new look attack that was another thing that was a bit different Justin Clivert fans have been campaigning for him to get a start for quite a long time and and he did today with Patrick Schick as well so it was a new look attack um, which and I think probably quite popular choices those as well because Ed and Jack has been struggling for form and, and Clivert is just generally such a popular guy that uh, Roma fans have been desperate to see him included more um, but yeah, they you know they've this is a team that's toiled at times this season. Obviously, the Spal game um, a couple of weeks ago uh, in Rome, where they were beaten, was a big shock result, and they've not always made life easy for themselves in in league games at home so far this season. Drop points against Kiev and Atalanta as well, uh, but they managed to win this one pretty easily um, against Sampdoria team that are obviously on a bad run, but have got a talented. A talented squad so yeah they managed to make things look, look pretty easily um without doing anything particularly spectacular one of the standout moments in this game was that patrick schick not only played but scored edin jacko hasn't been all that convincing in Serie A this season did schick convince did okay yeah i mean he obviously him getting his name on the score sheet is the thing that's that's going to hit the headlines and the fact especially that he did it against his his old team um makes it even more memorable and yeah he he i I would say he still isn't entirely convincing to me um as a kind of number nine in in that uh 4-2-3-1 i think it's Potentially huge, though, for him that he's actually got off the mark, though. It's his first league goal of the season, of course. Um, but actually only his third, I think, his third league goal for, for Roma um, altogether. So that could be a big confidence boost for him. It, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that it's come just before the international break. He could maybe have done with going from that straight into a run of, uh, a run of games. Um but, you know, the way that Jekyll has been playing, I think Di Francesco has to consider uh, giving him more more starts because they can't just rely on Jekyll to to play every week if if he's going to be struggling for form. And as well as he's been doing in the Champions League, he's he's not been repeating that and, um, when it comes to Serie A games. So, yeah, I think shit can be an option. I mean, I did see some interesting stats about his game today, though, because he did get the goal and it was a nice goal. He also made a really good run to to get through on goal in the first half and uh, came came very close to scoring. Um, it wasn't as he was in the second half, but he got into a one-on-one and Omar Colley actually made a, an, an impressive recovering tackle to stop him from getting goal then. But Sheik actually only had 16 touches during the game, which is by far the fewest of all the, all the players who started for Roma. And in comparison, Dzeko had 12 after coming on with just over 20 minutes left. So I think that's one thing he could improve on is he wasn't actually that involved in the game uh, as a focal point for the attack. But 
like I say, the most important thing is as a striker, he managed to score and he's done that. And so, yeah, quite possibly could be involved more in the future. And what about Justin Clivert then? Because I've seen him play a couple of times this season. I saw his debut actually when he came on away to Torino in the opening game of the season and he completely changed the, changed the game. I really like him. I think he's quite exciting. But how have the Romanisti taken to him? Is, is he settling in there? Clivert's a massive fan favourite here. I mean, considering how many uh, minutes he's had on the pitch, which obviously hasn't been that much, it's amazing how many fans you see around the stadium who are wearing Clivert shirts already. And I think that's, you know, because of his style of play. He's so direct, he's so explosive. He is the kind of player that um, the fans love to see. And, and, you know, to to say a cliche, he gets you off your seat. You know, he's... He's he's a very exciting talent, and obviously he's young, so he's got potential to improve further as well. Um, and yeah, he had a couple of great moments in this game as well. In the first half, he just cut in directly from the right and, and tried to finish from an angle that I think took everyone by surprise, but it did actually beat the keeper and came back off the post, so he was a bit unlucky there. Um, but actually, I mean, despite... Uh, a couple of flashes and really nice moments, it was El Shirawi who, who had the greater impact on the game, and He's he's still not universally popular by any means, Al Sharawi, but you can't really argue with the numbers with the guy because he is their top scorer in the league. He scored five league goals now, got two today, obviously, the second of which was a phenomenal finish. And, you know, the it depends how much the kind of fan judgment uh, is going to sway, sway Di Francesco or not in terms of the selection going forward. But he has been effective. He's not always uh, effective for 90 minutes throughout a game by any means, but he is delivering the results that are likely to keep him in the team. And we are now joined by Dov Schiavone at the San Siro. Dov, Hello. Oh. Hello, hello. How are you? Hello, Dom. Hi, don't do everybody. That. Don't, don't do that. All right. I'm um, fine. I'm bro- fine. How are you, Connor? Um, you can probably hear my voice isn't doing too well, but I'm great. I am Why, why is your voice not doing very well, Connor Clancy? What have you been doing with because your Because FIF, FIF go to games, don't they? And I, I was screaming and shouting at one of them today. Oh, um, well, Connor Clancy, you're a, you're a respected journalist, not a football fan. You should know better. I... I paid in today, one of the few times I've paid in this season, so I'm allowed to scream and shout at whoever I want. But Dov, you are at San Siro. I, I am still at San Siro. <laughs> I am not one, I am still can, here. Can you see it? You, I can see the big cylinders in the back, yeah. yeah. There you go. There Thanks you go, everybody. There's San Siro. There's where I do my work. <laughs> come back, come back. Come I'm back, coming come back. back. I'm here. Talk to me, Clancy. You're, you're terrible for getting distracted. You're like a child. Uh, right. Dov, Juve beat Milan 2-0, and I don't think anyone is really that surprised. But can we can we talk about what it was like being there? I, Milan set the tone with this amazing choreography, mm. but then their players just didn't respond to it or do anything. Yeah, and no, Juve I mean, won easily. Yeah, yeah, like the choreography was amazing. To be fair, it was really, really good. And obviously. Um, when we had the derby and Inter had a fantastic choreography. That's one of the great things about the San Siro is the choreographies are fantastic. Um, this, the one that they had tonight was to commemorate kind of 50 years of the ultras. And, and I was like asking the guys next to me, Who's, who are the two guys? They're like, no, they're just random ultras. So it's just kind of random ultras. Oh, there's a San Siro cat just walked in front of me. Um, right. This is the second time this season you've been distracted by a cat. <laughs> well, look, bro, here, here, here's the cat. There it is. Can you see everybody? There's the cat. Look, just looking about, looking about for Gonzalo Higuain. <laughs> that was, yeah, that was good. Huh? <laughs> we're, we're full of jokes on the pod oh, tonight. It's, I it's think. on the bants, everybody. The bants. Um, no, no, no. Like back to the, the choreography was amazing. It was really good. Then obviously they had the the proper they did, they did proper um, kind of flares behind the the fans. So you had the fan silhouettes. They did that in the second half. I think that was either on. F- Dov, um, you're power. breaking up a little bit no. there. Just move somewhere, maybe. Can't move anywhere. Um, we're like, yeah, so obviously you had the banner with Burucci and basically the Milan fans saying that 
there's no other coward. There's not the only person worse than Brucci is um, Schiattino, who was the captain of the Costa Concordia, which uh, sunk um, when, when he was kind of ordered to, to, the, to go back to the ship, and he didn't. So he's the uh, like the only other coward is him. Um, it's Italian, a bit of Italian slang as well. So there you go. Um, but, but yeah, that was probably the best bit for Milan. Uh, there's another black cat this time. Um, so, so that, yeah, that was it. Like, on the field, like Milan were terrible. Like they were not very good. But the, the problem is, it's like Milan fans may say, "Oh, we should do this. We should do that. We need to play this formation and play this guy here." It doesn't matter. Juventus are so far ahead of Milan that they, 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 they could have played anybody in any formation. It would not have made a difference. Juventus are better than them. That's the end of story. I think even if Gonzalo Higuain scored the penalty. Juventus would have stepped up a gear if they needed to in the second half. And and I think that's the harsh reality of of Serie A and of, 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 kind of Milan these days, that they're not up there with the top teams. And yeah, it's, it, it, it's as simple as that. It did have the feeling of a game between dominant champions and mid-table It was the same game. This was exactly the same game as Juve Bologna, Juve Sassuolo, Juve Genoa, Juve mm-hmm. Cagliari. It was exactly, it played out the same way. Juventus went ahead and then they controlled it from there. Juventus were in complete control of that game. At no point did you think, oh, Milan could get a goal here. At no point was anybody thinking that. And it was just almost waiting for Juventus to get their second goal in the second half. And, and they got it. And then after that, that was, it was finished. Yeah, the only time... I thought Milan might score is when they somehow managed to fluke their way to win a penalty. They didn't deserve to have a goal, but mm-hmm. they just had a chance from a penalty spot. And Gonzalo Aguin missed it. And well, Dov- they, well, he didn't miss it. It was saved. Let's be honest. It wasn't, it was saved. It, yeah, it wasn't the best it, it penalty, wasn't, though. Exactly. exactly. It wasn't the best penalty. And, and Aguin has this reputation. But then Aguin went on and lost his mind in the second half. And I guess... Could you put this down to the fact that it's such a personal game for him? Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo came to Juve and he was then forced out. He wanted to prove a point. But this is something we've seen of Iguain before. I remember when he was at Napoli and they were chasing the title and he just lost his head in the game against Udinese away and missed three of their last five games of the season. Well, he said himself, the article's on ForzaTimeFootball.com if people want to read it. He said he's an emotional person and an emotional player. And when you've got an emotional game like this, obviously it's two big teams going against each other and him against his former team and former teammates. So he's going to be emotional. And he said he didn't think the... He said was the, the, the foul that was given, he thought it was a foul from Benassia. And then when the referee gave him an yellow card, he, he reacted like that. And he knows he, he said he shouldn't have and he apologised for it. Um, so I mean, what, like, what else do you want him to do? You maybe say, oh, you should keep your head, but he's not that type of player, like you said. He's, he's a player who can... Uh, he gets emotional and he goes off his head. If you if you want a calm guy who won't say anything, I don't know, be Mattia De Chilio or something. You say why and he goes off his head. End of story. Don't encourage people to be Mattia De Chilio. No, no I, I, I'll tell I'll, I'll tell a wee story right in the mix zone. Um, obviously, there were there were quite a lot of non-journalists in the mix zone today. I don't know why. And obviously, every single player that came down, they were all shouting, "Oh, Cristiano!" Blah, blah. So when Cristiano came down. Obviously, the people went mental. Sasha, so "Oh, it's the Chilio, Don't worry." And then everybody started laughing because I'm hilarious. I've got the bants. Bants. Are, are you here that, to that, talk that, about footballers or just make jokes? That's charisma, Clancy. That is charisma. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a throwback to September. Thanks uh, for that, Dove. Why not? Um, all right, someone. There are two more players specifically that I want to speak about. The, the first is Frank Cassidy. Hmm. He was, he Good. was excellent, oh, uh, and his well, his team lost two. Right, compared to the dross that he was playing with, he was right, excellent. Okay. His yes. team lost two 0 and I think you could argue that he was the best player on the pitch for Milan. Yeah, for Milan, but I mean that's kind of scraping a barrel. Like, 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 sorry, I don't know what you want me to say about him. Like, it was good for Milan, but none of the Milan players were really anything special. And the thing is, like, again, people are going to get caught up in, oh, Kessie, oh, he had such a great performance. He was so fantastic. The thing is, like, you, it'll go two or three games and it'll be absolutely terrible. Losing the ball, slow, it like, slows the play down. I think the, the thing that probably worked in his favour today, that, and as much as people malign Bakayoko, he had Bakayoko next to him. So he felt he could maybe kind of trust 
Bakayoko to kind of sit back a little bit and be that kind of defensive wall and he could maybe get forward a bit more I mean but apart from that like, save is great okay but I wouldn't go too far um, Bakayoko is another actually I, I thought Bakayoko played quite well Vito feel free to jump in um, Bakayoko has been absolutely ridiculed quite rightly mm. for a lot of his performances in the last 18 months but he did a skill early on and a I nearly fe- he did a skill and I nearly fell over because I, I was so surprised, but then he went on to have quite a good game. Average. I didn't For Bakayoko. Yeah. It showed that there's something there. Again, he's another one. He needs to, he's not played very much, and he's not played by Milan very much either, so he's not a bad player. The thing is, like, he's clearly not a bad player, obviously. He got to have the semi-finals of the Champions League as part of that Monaco team, so he's clearly good. And it's just, it just so happens that he obviously barely played at Chelsea, if at all. And he's Cape Milan. He's only just started to get into the team. So I think give him some time and it might prove to be a good asset. Um, I, just, I just think you've got him and Kessie who are really similar in the playing styles. And I think having, having the two of them is probably works against Juve, where you are going to defend for a lot of the game. And they can break up playing and break forward. Whereas I think maybe against some of the smaller teams it's, it's one or the other um, but again you, you're asking me to talk about players that didn't do very much today Clancy you're really kind of <laughs> you're testing me hey, who would you uh, that's what I'm here for to test you who would you like to talk about you've got through the difficulty. Mario Mandzukic oh, Mario Mandzukic I knew you would bring up amazing he's I actually, well, actually Matuidi as well Matuidi is a great wee player I love him and Mandzukic is so fundamental to this Juve team. It's, un- like, it's unreal the difference he makes when he's on the park. Like, uh, yeah. Mandzukic, is a, like, Mandzukic and Ronaldo link up so well together. And it's Mandzukic that gets all the goals as well. Well, obviously Ronaldo scored today. But like, Mandzukic is the one that kind of finishes a lot of the kind of moves and Ronaldo will start them. And I think he, for, for Juventus to be successful in the Champions League, they need Mandzukic fit. That's, a, that's how important at, I think he is to them. Look at your little face. Your little face oh. is glowing talking about Mario Mandzukic. Oh, uh, well, everybody talks about like Dybala or they'll talk about Ronaldo or whoever else they want to talk about. But Mandzukic is so fundamental to this Juventus team. It's unreal. Yeah, I agree. He's got the battling qualities and he's... He's scoring a lot more this season. Well, he's scoring at a better rate than what he would usually. So that's a good... Thing to see. Um, he probably could have had another one or two goals or bet from half chances, but you know, I think the chances were there for him to even add to what he did today. Yeah, no, he should have had another one like right after he scored. It was almost identical. We put it wide. Um, but the thing is that even Juventus, none of the players were exceptional. That's the thing. They all kind of did their jobs and did what they had to do. Um, and they're, they're just of, of a better quality than Milan, so it was a bit easier for them. Like you're talking about like one or two moments in a game, like a couple of goals, a penalty save, and a red card. But really, apart from that, the game was atrocious. Like really, mm-hmm. really bad. It was horrible. I found a bar to watch it, and I was immediately regretting my decision after. <laughs> it's like I want to go penalty. home. This is, this is enough. Take your beer back, please. Yeah, I just bought a pint though, so I was in trouble. I had to stick it <laughs> out. Yeah, it, it was really poor. It was one of those. It was just added to the list of Juve Spal, Juve Samp, Juve... Do, I, do, I, do, I, do you want my statistics, Clancy? I've got my statistics. Do you want them? Here we go. Right, yeah. that, was, that was Ronaldo's first ever goal at the Stadio San Siro, excluding penalties. There you go. Statistic. How many times uh, has he played there, though? I don't have that statistic. Um, <laughs> and, and do you know Mario Mandzukic scored Juventus's 100th goal at the San Siro? Mario Mandzukic, remember the name. <laughs> Say Mario Mandzukic without smiling. Mario Mandzukic. No, I can't do it because I'm weird. <laughs> well, um, oh, and, 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 and hold on, my, my, my last stat, um, 34 points from 12 games is a Serie A record and at the start of the season. This Juventus that, are the best. Yeah, leads us on to a comment from CM Fox. Your mate, actually, Dov. Considering Juventus are one of the most dominant teams in Europe, I find them boring as hell to watch. And they are, aren't they? When they play in Serie A, there's no point watching them. Well, what do you want them to do? Like, <laughs> so, like, they win their games. Like, 
Mm-hmm. See, this is the thing I don't understand because I'm a pragmatist. And if your team is winning 1-0, and then you'll be happy. You don't care. If they're winning 1-0, they're playing absolutely dreadful and they're winning and they win everything, then why would you care? Juventus don't care. They, at the end of the season, when they've got the Scudetto, they've got the Coppa Italia, the Super Coppa, and possibly the Champions League, they could will not care less that CM Fox is bored watching you there. <laughs> See, I noticed this This is probably the thing with uh, Italians and non-Italians, especially those non-Italians who don't follow the sport enough. See, Italians prioritise results. Look, I'm not a pragmatist myself. I can be a bit of an idealist, but I acknowledge that you are the last team in the world that's going to care about style. They're not Barcelona. They're not Manchester City. Uh, they're not Borussia Dortmund or Bayern Munich. Uh, for them, it's going to be about the results. The only way they'll probably ever think about style is if the other Serie A clubs get into gear and they start become competitive by playing entertaining football. But results come first, and that's the Italian way. It's not going to change just to add plaudits or to get praise because praise alone doesn't generate success. No, exactly. We've seen that against Manchester United in midweek, Vito, where I think it was worth seven minutes to go. It brought Barzali on because, right, we're 1-0 up, bring Barzali on, they won't, they won't score, obviously. It can backfire sometimes, like it did on Wednesday. But that, that's kind of the thinking. I think, right, okay, we'll take the 1-0, that'll be fine, that'll, be, that'll do it. And that's, kind of, that's, that's how Juventus play, and that's how they've played. They might get a bit more entertaining when they need to score goals, say, February, March, when they're in latter stages of the Champions League, or they've got a, mm. a result to chase. But until, until then... If they're 2-0 up, then they're not going to go for 3-4-5. They'll be happy with a 2-0 win. All right, Dov, and quickly before you move on to the Napoli game, how were Allegri and um, Gattuso in the press conferences? Just, uh, just Honestly, it's the same as usual. Um, Gattuso obviously was a bit annoyed at Higuain and kind of wanted some apologies from him. Um, and Allegri just kind of saying the same thing, that the Juventus played well, they controlled the game, they lacked, lost a bit of concentration, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's the same. <laughs> it's the same press conference I've listened to for the last two months. Yeah, I was quite impressed with what Cattuso said, actually, because he's quite a fiery character himself. And he seems to be getting annoyed at Higuain saying, oh, he lost his head, I want an apology. But then he did say, oh, we didn't lose the game because of him. He got sent off, he missed the penalty but it's not because of him there were 10 other players bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah it was quite good Dovey were also at the swimming pool in Genoa where Napoli just about beat Genoa 2-1 in a, an almost flooded Marassi well the, the, Vito if you want entertainment you need to go to the Marassi and watch Genoa versus Napoli in the pouring rain this was entertaining um, <laughs> it was funny because obviously like I lived close to Genoa for a long time and you kind of know when it rains there it rains it's not just like London rain or like, I don't know New York rain or whatever where it's kind of like grey and it just rains for a long time but it's not very heavy when it rains there it properly rains for like maybe a couple of hours or whatever and there it rained for 15 minutes it was raining for 15 minutes and I think all the rain from the last month just came down at one point and you could just see the, the pitch right? the pitch is getting worse and worse I'm like right they're going to stop this and then they stopped it for about 10 minutes and literally as soon as they stopped it and walked off the park the rain stopped so just in case everybody's like right the rain stopped let's go so just in case the referee could uh, check in the pitch and whatever else um, and it was funny because one half of the pitch was fine and the other half was unplayable kind of the far side as if you would look at the pitch from the TV cameras like it was unplayable you could not dribble on it at all so it was funny watching like Kuame and Insigne and all those guys who all they could do is dribble trying to dribble in this flooded pitch it was hilarious to watch and it was just a case of like let's, you need to play long balls then um, or get set pieces in dangerous areas and Napoli got two set pieces and one of them got a, a, a save from Radu, um, saved them, saved Genoa there. But then the second one, um, I went in off Biraski, uh, deflected in. So it's, it's kind of like that. That's how you're winning games like that. Um, kind of prior to that, Napoli pro- didn't really look like they were going to win like after Genoa went ahead. Obviously, they hit the post before then, but Genoa defended really, really well. Um, up until the point where they conceded, and after that, it was just—I was just—I was going to be a case of who can get a bit of luck in the conditions. And Napoli were the team that got that bit of luck. Um, but I, if, you want, if you want me to talk about players, Kuami. Kuami is such a fantastic wee player. I love him as well. Everybody talks about Piontek and how great he is and how many goals he scored. But Kuami is much more dangerous. Than I Piontek. told you, 
the first you... Genoa game I went to this season, I told you how good Kwame was. You can go back and find my match report <laughs> because the little head, sub-headline of the analysis bit was Cristiano who meet Christian because it's Christian Kwame. Yeah, no, and he's so he's good. great. He's a good, he's a good wee player. He, he, he lacks a little bit in the final third. He's kind of like a bit bumbly when he gets into the final third in terms of what he wants to do. But his movement, he's got pace as well. He's quite strong. So there's a couple of times he was going up against Koulibaly and he was winning balls in the air and stuff. So it was quite surprising. So I think obviously we're a couple of years either at Genoa or maybe somewhere else, but a couple of years of first-team football, and he looks like he'll be a, a really, really solid player for, for Genoa. So I was, I was quite impressed with him. It is shocking how strong he is, because like you say, he looks like a little yeah, stick. He does. It, players it, it, do it, bounce off. Yeah, a wee wiry player in Kulib, but he's gigantic as well. So it was quite kind of, I was surprised a little bit how he did. And, and Radu as well made a couple of good saves. Like he, I think he is on loan from Inter, or at least he's an Inter Primavera player. It might have uh, maybe it may be a buyback clause. Can't remember exactly. Apologies, people. Um, but he's one that looks good, and obviously he's keeping out Marchetti from that general team as well. So um, that was interesting. And, and the other bit, like not talking about the football because hashtag FF at the games when it was pissing down with rain. Um, Juric wouldn't put an umbrella up or put a hat on. He was just standing there in his little jacket with, with like, soaking wet. And then I think there was one point that he was having an argument with the referee and after that he took his jacket off and he just had his see-through white shirt on, which I thought was quite funny. Uh, he'd want to buy a jacket or an umbrella or something to keep his panettone dry because he's, it, it's questionable whether or not he'll be eating that this Christmas. Do you think he could get sacked stuff? Possibly, but again, that's another one. A la cable, like who do they bring in? They're not going to bring oh, Ballardini okay. back because Preziosi doesn't like Ballardini. Well, nobody likes Preziosi there. Um, so it'd be interesting oh. to see who they can get. How do you know that nobody likes Preziosi there, though? Well, because be, being, being at the game, Connor Clancy, um, the, the banner, I think the, there was a banner held up in the Genoa Curva which said, <laughs> Preziosi, sooner or later you will die, but Genoa will never die which I thought was quite morbid. <laughs> Vino, can you just jump in? You're, you're sitting there smiling. Oh, look, the Sampdoria fan in me and being a Doria myself, let's just say the general fans and Preziosi deserve each other. Oh, a bunch of clowns. I mean, really. Look, it's uh, not nice to wish death upon anyone, but comments like that. See, that shows how tasteless the general supporters are. Okay, Sampdoria won the last three games, but... 24-7, 365 days a year, the blue cerchiato side has the class. Doria class. There's a reason why they say Genoa is solo blue cerchiato. Is blue, Genoa is blue hoop. Because you either love some or you hate some. they got to focus on themselves, Genoa. Don't worry about us. Is, is, that, all the, class. is that all the Scudettos you've got as well, Vito? How many? How many? Yeah, but it was, uh, well, well, one a was a long time ago. One. <laughs> Don't worry. If I save up enough money and flow there, I'll shake things up. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah. Um, the other thing about the game, obviously, I don't know if people know, but the Genoa and Napoli fans are twinned. So basically, like normally they would have like a tiny little bit of the away fans of the, of the ground, but they were basically in the Sampdoria home end was just full of Napoli fans, which I thought, which is, it's quite good to see it when you get fans that are twinned like that and they just all kind of mix in with each other and, um, you, it's almost like, like you would just have an English home end where one end would be one team and the other end would be the other team which is kind of like what it was like but obviously they all like each other so there was no battles or anything like that but you know I noticed that when Kwame scored because he scored in front of the end that is usually the Samp end and it wasn't complete celebrations. It looked really strange because I know yeah, where no. the away fans are at Marassi and it's not there. Yeah, yeah, that was full. I was literally full of Napoli fans. They all had the flags and scarves and everything. And I was like, oh, there's quite a lot of Napoli fans here. That's quite nice. I do like the twinnings in yeah. Italian football. Um, all right, Dove, before, before I let you go, we, we might as well, while we have you, discuss the biggest news of the day, which is um, Jean-Pierre Ventura has left another job. <laughs> what do you want me to so, <laughs> right. say? What do you want me to say? Like, Christ, me. it's a disaster, <laughs> this club. Yeah. But look, he, you need to be forever grateful to Ventura because he finally got Kievo out of wow. minus points. He did, he did. Well, well done, Jean-Pierre. 
well done. <laughs> so his record was four, four games, three defeats, one draw. And that draw came against Bologna, which, by the way, does that not show you how bad Bologna are that they drew Kievo? Well, or how good Santander is because he's the MVP. He is the beast. He's got, he's got, I bet he gets MVP this week. Just wait, Clancy. He's going to be three-time MVP, mm. Federico Santander. I mean, again, the problem with Kievo, like Ventura, and to, like, in terms of coaches, apart from Moran, like, Ventura's probably the best coach Kievo had for a, a long time. And people can laugh and say whatever they want. Ventura's a, a good coach. Um, and the thing is, who are they going to get in? Like, there's, there's really, there's nobody of any stature available, and it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem. I honestly, like, now I don't laugh. At the start of the season, the first couple of games, I thought the squad's a bit better. Um, I thought Stepinski could could replace uh, Inglese, but. They're just, they're terrible. I don't think they'll get into double figures, honestly. I think I, I think they'll, they'll, really? they'll go down as one of the worst, I think they're going to go down as one of the worst teams that have ever been in Serie A. Um, just for, for whatever reason, and I don't know why, because there are there are good players in that team. They cannot win. And that obviously, you, you would think changing the coach would be, make a difference. It might break, bring back Dana or something like that who knows but the biggest biggest mistake Campadelli made was getting rid of Moran Moran's a good Moran's another good coach and that was probably the biggest mistake he made so there you go hmm. I oh, personally uh, think Moran's better up at Kyrie anyway I'll oh, be quiet Vito <laughs> <laughs> no um, but even if Kiev will go down maybe it's a chance to rejuvenate and then work their way back up again so we'll, well see what happens well that's one thing Kiev will do have they've got a really good Primavera team so so maybe they can get rid of some of the kind of the older mm. players and have a young side and come back up with that but um, I, I very much doubt it Vito I think if, well if Kiev will go down they'll come back up but I think that um, they run the risk of becoming a yo-yo team and people always, oh, for whatever reason, I don't know why people hate Kievo, but they do. Um, Kievo don't financial dope like some other teams in Syria do. They just they alter their names. accounts. No, they're, they're just got very good accounts. Uh, very creative very, accountants. Very, very good, good, good accountants at Kievo. Balance the books every year. Um, Creatively. That, that's an allegation, Connor Clancy. Let's be careful. Um, but yeah, like, they'll, 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 like, if they become a yo-yo team, then they'll be like Verona. And nobody wants to be like Verona. At CM Fox, that was for you. Um, <laughs> Dov, but do you, is there not a concern about Kievo? Because they are this tiny club with no real fan base. Is this not the type of club that could just fall and fall and fall? They went down before and came back up. So, yeah, But that doesn't happen every time. It doesn't. But I, th- I think the, thing, the, the way that kind of football is now is that if you get relegated, you get enough... Um, money kind of parachute payments and then you make enough money being in the top league that you can buy better players if you get relegated and you'll eventually come back up like you've seen that with like you maybe get two Serie A teams that have been relegated then within a year or two both or all three will be back up and I think you'll probably see the same cable Alright Dov you can either leave or you can stay with us to talk about the last game which is Torino-Parma So I'm going to have to go because you were there so you can hashtag FIF the games out with Vito I need to go because San Siro's kicking me out Perfect. Thank you very much for coming on. And say Bye. goodbye to the cat for us. Uh, no, the cats are away. We'll see you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye, dog. All right, Vito, let's crack on with Torino Palma then. The last game, we won't spend too long on it, which is a shame because I thought the first half was very good. Um, it was it was 2-0 to Palma before Torino ever showed up. The, the first goal was quite funny because from the press box, you can, you can see in Kulu, is about to control the ball and, and the ball is his. There are no problems. But then Armando Itzo is just running across, running across, running across and everyone's kind of thinking he's not, he's not going for that, is he? And then all of a sudden he tackles his own teammate and neither of them end up with it and Jovino is left with the ball in the six-yard box and obviously he scores. Then Roberto Inglese, to be fair to him, scored an excellent finish. Cross coming from the left. He was on the wrong side of the near post, but he managed to flick it on with his right foot into the top corner. And yeah, uh, an impressive performance from Parma, Vito. Yeah, they deserved the win. And 
I also felt that they could have added to that score because Inglese probably should have had a second one after Jovino went for another lengthy run on the counter-attack and then Gagliolo, the defender, could have uh, scored as well, but Sirigu pulled off a great save. So I think this particular game was a case of Parma sitting back and defending, but they just know how to break and they're very strong in the wide positions, Parma. So that's their main strength and... Uh, no, I do believe that Parma are more than capable of surviving relegation. Torino, on the other hand, I think they showed how inconsistent they are because they are good on their day, but they looked a bit more lethargic in comparison to the Sump, to the Sump game last week. They played their hearts out against Sump, but this time around, uh, Parma were just better dueled defensively and uh, it paid off for the Ducali. Yeah, I, I don't think Parma or Torino will have any problems with relegation. Um Maybe that is more because there are so many terrible teams down at the bottom of the moment. But I, I do want to talk briefly about Bobby English, Roberto Inglese, because I, I was speaking to a colleague this week who who happened to have spent some time with Inglese this week. And she was just saying how nice of a guy he is. He's just this soft-spoken, really friendly, outgoing, nice person. And she was so shocked because he's a footballer. And she had met him a couple of times before in working situations and, and she said he's just such a gentleman and it was it was nice to see him score because he was saying in in the week coming up to the game that he's finally back fit he had a back problem but he felt great and he felt confident coming into the game and it really showed and Jovino uh, gets a lot of credit but every time I've seen Palmer this year whether Inglés has been there or not his importance to them has been shown in his presence or absence because when they don't have him they're a different team they don't have someone else who makes the runs he does. He's happy to run into the channels. He can hold the ball up, brings other players into it. He's a really good player. Um, and Parma will will do well with him there. And Gervinho seems to enjoy having him in the team as well. Gervinho's importance is obviously, it goes without saying. But you mentioned Torino being inconsistent. One of their players who like Kessie and Bakayoko for Milan was impressive in defeat was Daniela Baselli. And he kind of is Torino in microcosm because on his day, he's fantastic, but he has so many performances where he does absolutely nothing. And this was one of his games where he was excellent. He was playing simple five yard, 10 yard passes when necessary. He was playing the ball out either side to De Silvestri or Ola Aina on the other side when necessary, when when the game called for being spread a little bit more and he got his goal. Vito, uh, we've not actually spoken about Baselli and there's no one really that knows as much about Baselli that I can have conversations with. So what do you make of him? Were you as frustrated by his excellence as I was? I have been for quite a few years. I remember seeing him at Antalanta about four years ago and I was wondering who this guy was and you could see that he could play the short passes and that he could score goals from outside the box. And I was puzzled that AC Milan have had interest in him for a few years because in the last decade or so, at least the last five years, they've had a lot of inconsistent midfielders. So why would they add another one? When I see Baselli play um, on his day, yeah, he's just a great passer. He's got a great goal sense and he doesn't score. Or the ugly goals, usually the goals he scores to actually please, kind of me, pleasing on the eye. So it just disappoints me that he's not as reliable. If he was more consistent, I think Torino would be in better contention for Europa League spot and he might even push for a place in the Azzurri squad because the talent is there. But with a lot of players from this era, uh, Baselli and several other midfielders, they just don't get that consistency and it's a real letdown. The problem is they leave Bergamo too early. Uh, I would love to see Baselli in a, a Jean-Pierre Gasparini team. I think he would be a joy in one of those systems. It was it was actually two more Atalanta or ex-Atalanta players, Atalanta Academy graduates. In fact, uh, that impressed for Parma in Alessandro Bastoni and Alberto Grassi and neither of those have been regulars this year Bastoni came on last week against who did they play last week Frosinone I was at that game as well and Parma had just gone down to 10 men Bastoni came on and helped them solidify at the back and he was very good and he made a big tackle late on to help them hold on to a point so 
it would be good to see him establish himself there. And I thought he was very impressive. He handled Andrea Balotti, Iago Falca, and later Simone Zaza really comfortably. And he's still a young guy with not much experience. Even with Atalanta, he didn't get all that many minutes in the first game. But then Grassi. Grassi is someone that I feel a little bit sorry for. And he's a player I've got a lot of time for. He's, it's hard to identify what he does. He's a tackler. He can pass. He doesn't score many goals. I guess he's more defensively minded. And he was brilliant. He was putting in tackles. He was intercepting plays. He was playing simple passes all day. And Grassi deserves a lot of credit for that as well. He, he left Atalanta a few years ago to go to Napoli. Never got a look in. Was loaned back to Atalanta. But Atalanta had moved on by then. And he, he never really played when he was on loan back there. He was at Spal last year. Didn't, didn't play every game. But now he's at, at Parma, obviously. And I would love to see him finally push on and if he can build on that performance then there's no reason why he can't okay Vito we will just we're not going to have time to talk about anything else because we are pushing an error now uh, I'll just run through the final scores Frozenone Fiorentina drew one each Spal and Cagliari drew two each Sassuolo won Lazio won Empoli two Udinese won and Velasquez is in trouble there so head over to FIF and read the thing that Vito wrote before the season started, predicting this exact situation for Udinese. And Roberto Mancini did announce his Italy squad. We haven't got the time to go through that, I'm afraid, though. But head over to Forza Italian Football to see what it was and to read everything about it. That's all we have time for today. Be sure to listen to the audio version of the podcast as well so you can hear what Alistair McKenzie had to say from the Stadio Olimpico, where Roma beat Sampdoria. And... It's an international break now, so we get a, we get a week off, Vito. You can rest your voice. Hopefully, my voice will have returned. I can feel it. It's about to just snap completely right now. I can sleep but, in. Yeah, yeah, and I and I can mm. go to bed early. It's great, isn't it? It's great. Mm. Um, I love international breaks, but yeah, okay. <laughs> un, un, until this time, two weeks from now, that that is it. Head over to ForzaItalianFootball.com. Remember, we are at the games. Hashtag FIF at the games. Read what we put on the website. Follow us on Twitter at Serie A FFC, Instagram and Facebook at Forza Italian Football. And until next time, that's all I have to say. So it's ciao for now. Ciao. ringraziare vale con me
Ciao ragazzi, adesso tocca a voi ballare la Papu Dance. Taggate un amico e condividete il video. Baila come il Papu. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.